This podcast is brought to you by Jones Good Ass Barbecue and Foot Massage, where we'll fry your meats and rub your feet. Spencer Siegel, and I welcome you to the first official podcast here on Monday, March 6th, as we go through the sports world once a week, every week, to try and bring some life to your life. And so for the first of the I Know a Guy podcast series, the guy that I know this week is Andrew Carver, and I'm happy to bring him on as the first guest of the show, and he was gracious enough to let us into his home with his soundproof walls and we're ready to go. So, Andrew, first of all, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me and my concrete walls. Now, the first thing that I'd like to do as we start this podcast for each guest is to go through a couple of things. What are your strengths in the sports world? Um, I'd say first and foremost, and it is a season, my biggest strength is NFL draft knowledge. A lot of useless knowledge that goes along with that. Like I can tell you basically off the top of my head, if you give me an NFL player, I could probably tell you where he went to college. Um, Any player? Um, for the most part. If you give me a Matt Asiata, I'm not going to know that. Um, but for the most part, yeah, pretty good. Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel. Ooh, that one actually. Fantasy darling in the final four weeks of the season. See, the problem is if anybody was drafted by the Cleveland Browns, oftentimes nobody knows who they are. So that makes it really difficult on me. Taylor Gabriel ended up going to Abilene Christian. <laughs> so, That's really funny, actually. So, Like former Bears superstar wide receiver, right? Johnny Knox. <laughs> yeah. Did he go to Abilene Christian? <laughs> Pretty sure he did. So, uh, hey, Abilene Where is Christian's Abilene a, Christian? It's a football hotbed, dude. Where, where is that? It's got to be in the... Pretty sure it's in it's Texas. In, oh, okay. That's, that makes sense. I was going to say somewhere in the south or Texas. That was my guess. It had to be, right? Uh, where else can you... Spread your knowledge. Well, going going along on that, I mean, I do dabble in everything. I can I can talk basically any of the major the major four uh, sports out there. But I, I I'd say my best expertise revolves around college football, college basketball. I mean, I really really dive into the conferences pretty well every year. Now, what we'd like to start you off with as well, though, is not just your expertise, but your fandom, because everybody is a fan. And who are you a fan of? Uh, first and foremost, stay in the colleges. Bradley Braves. That's why I'm out here in Illinois, all the way from California, and I'll... Uh, First and foremost, yeah. above all else, above all it's the, Bradley Athletics. But since I have given them more money than any of the other sports that I've, uh, I'm a fan of, uh, they probably have to be, by default, at the top of the list. Now, other than Bradley, you are a California guy, mm-hmm. grew up in the Los Angeles area, but go ahead and elaborate on your teams there, because you've got a lot to choose from. Oh, yeah. I've got multiples of usually every sport, but definitely Los Angeles Lakers. I've always loved the Lakers since Shaq and Kobe days it's when I was really growing up. really good at picking bad basketball teams right now. Uh, not when I started, I'll tell you that. 
When I was growing up, Shaq and Kobe, the Lakers, I mean, obviously the Lakers are the, the best franchise in, in all of, of sports. You can, whatever, you can... We can say it. Bring Brandon Ingram bust, right? No. Total, total bust. No, no. Slow down. We, that's another show. We're going to have to... Okay. That, that may take 30 minutes for that one. Um, the uh, Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, around the same time, obviously they won the World Series when I was about eight years old or so, eight, nine years old, so a lot of influence there. Um, jumping all the way across the country, since I did not have a team growing up in Los Angeles, uh, Carolina Panthers. Also, we're in the Super Bowl around that same kind of time. It's kind of a, a theme, I guess, you see going there. But I uh, always loved Steve Smith, my favorite athlete of all time. And then uh, since I moved here, I got into hockey, so big Blackhawks fan now. Watch the Blackhawks every night. When you talk about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to your friends... <laughs> They're mostly just the Angels, but I would assume you don't call them Los Angeles. They've no. been the Anaheim Angels pretty much since their inception. Well, they were the California Angels they first. They were. Like, that was the best. I wish they'd go back to that. That's that's the money spot. Those uniforms, crisp. So they, you want them to go back to California, California Angels California uniforms? Yeah, kind of like a Golden State Warriors thing, California Angels. I mean, you know where they are, but at the same time, they encompass the whole state. So it doesn't make any sense. There are five baseball teams in California, why do they get to be the California Angels? Because they're the best, obviously. <laughs> that's a crazy yeah, oh, oh, they're the best, all right. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're the best at something. I mean, that's the, they have the best players. Best. So he should be able to name them whatever he wants. If he wants to change their name to the Gremlins, he could do that. He's He earned the right. Yeah, they're, they're the best team at getting their pitchers hurt before, during, and after the season. Hey, we're so all they can't pitch. We're all good at something. <laughs> College. Well, obviously, uh, Bradley, since I went there, but I have a lot of family who went to UCLA. UCLA's... Definitely ingrained in the Carver household. So, uh, other than my dad, he likes USC, but he's wrong. Um, but UCLA, big, big in my life. Been watching them my whole life. Been to a lot of games back when I was living there. All right, we're gonna get into the college football and the NFL draft combine and stuff later. But what I want to do now is start to delve into what we have for you here today, which is the first strength, and that is March Madness. As we get into the conference championship week that starts, well, it's actually already started, really. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference championship other championships that are currently being decided and played out through Sunday until they reveal the bracket so what we're going to do is take the major conferences we'll play a little game where we take those conferences and try them and equate them to some sort of tangible reputation that you'll understand so that you can use that reputation when you start to fill out your bracket based on what conference the teams are in. So let me, if that doesn't make sense, let's let's give you an example. Let's start with the Pac-12, Andrew, and who do you see if you equate, and you can go NBA in that direction if you want, uh, whatever works for you. Give me your best tangible reputation for the Pac-12 conference. Well, your, your quick breakdown for the Pac-12 is, is there's three clear top teams, top dogs there. You have your Arizona Oregon and UCLA, and then you have some some middling teams, Utah, Cal, um, USC, and then you're just going to have a bunch of bottom feeders after that. It's really, really top-heavy. Three top-ten teams, and then the rest of the conference really hasn't been ranked for the rest of the season at really any point. Um, so what does it make you think of? A big three. Who has the most prominent big three right now? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, the Pac-12 is not the best conference, like most people would think the Cavaliers aren't the, necessarily the best team. They may be second, but they're not the best team in the NBA, but they have three clear top dogs, and that would obviously be your, your Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James. Um, obviously, UCLA being LeBron in this scenario. Let's be real, guys. <laughs> so who, which, who's Kevin Love, then? Because Kevin Love went to UCLA, and you're, you're, yeah, already, you're not making him UCLA. Well, well, Kevin Love is from Oregon. 
originally. So he played high school there. That makes a lot of sense. We'll go ahead and throw him there. And then I guess that leaves... Arizona wears blue, so Kyrie Irving went to Duke. Yeah, that's the same thing. That's <laughs> a stretch, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, I can't really think Who's of Who's J.R. Smith? J.R. Smith? Oh, he's got to be USC, man. Are you kidding me? They love the party over there at USC. <laughs> that Arizona State? We can give Arizona State? That's party school, right? All right, so we've got the Pac-12 as the Cleveland Cavaliers as your reputation. Now, I, I do want to get into UCLA a little bit more before we move on to the other conferences because that's where your strength lies. And we'll, we'll talk about UCLA. You've got Lonzo Ball. You've got Bryce Alford. And there are a couple of other pieces around those two guys that can help win games, especially if they're not hitting shots. They can go into the post down low. So give me your analysis of UCLA moving forward in March. Well, UCLA, um, the AP poll is giving them their due. Obviously, they're third in the country. You can't really ask for much more in terms of where the voters have them. Um, but when it comes to bracketology and it comes to these, 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 the talking heads at B crunching their numbers and whatnot, not getting nearly When you say talking heads, you're talking about Joe Lenardi, right? Of course we're talking about it. He's a resident bracketologist, right? Is there right? any other guy? Um, oh, there's, there's, I'm sure CBS has their uh, own guy. I'm you sure, know, yeah. actually, now that I think of it, I was watching uh, Fox Sports. I was watching a Big East game mm-hmm. on FS1 the other day, and they had to do, you know, are the, these are the last four teams in or, yeah. or, or the first four teams out. But they obviously, they're Fox Sports 1. They can't say these are Joe Lenardi's mm-hmm. yeah. last four out, so they have their guy. And I don't even remember the guy's name, and it really doesn't matter no. what the guy's name is because he's basically just the next version of Joe Lenardi for the other station. And the reality is is that all of these guys are kind of talking out of their ass the way that we are. Yeah, because of course. Because they don't know who's going to be in and who's not, and they can crunch as many numbers as they want. Yeah, usually every, everybody gets a few wrong. Everybody gets their seating wrong. I mean, there's always a team. We know every year always a team like, well, how the heck are they a, a nine seed? They shouldn't even been in the tournament on Joe, Joe Lenardi crunches a number. They're like the first four out, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, an eighth seed, and they get to play in a... Or you've got a guy, or a team, I should say, who's the... So projected to be a 12 seed by Lenardi and then doesn't make the field. Doesn't exactly. even make the first four. But right now, in particular, he has him as a three seed. UCLA, that is. He has, he has UCLA as a three seed. Uh, Arizona is also a three seed. Uh, I think they're a three seed in the West, possibly. And then he has Oregon as a two seed. But he has UCLA is the worst of the three. Now, they are technically third in their conference, but they have beaten both Oregon and Arizona. They have beat Kentucky on the road, dropped 100 points on Calipari for the first time he's ever allowed it. Uh, they, they put a beat down over there. They've beaten quality teams up and down. Michigan's a, a, a bubble team. They, they beat them. They beat uh, Ohio State. is okay. Another Power 5 conference team. Texas A&M was supposed to be better. They were ranked when they beat them. They're, they're the best team in the country. They're averaging in the low 90s per game in terms of offense. So the best offensive team in the country, excuse me. Lonzo Ball is, in, in my opinion, and depending on who you ask, could be the best player in the country. He's definitely going to be at least top five for the is it the Naismith or the Wooden? Whatever. What if you ask his father? Oh, if you ask his father, he's the best player, not in college. Definitely not the best player in college. He's the best player in the NBA, if you ask his father. He's better than Steph. He's, he's the best point guard to come around since, well, I don't know. They invented the point guard position, I'm guessing. <laughs> now, we can talk about your strengths of the sports that you love, but in terms of fandom, how do you feel about Lonzo Ball's father? What would you do if you were Lonzo? And if I was Lonzo, and, and let me preface this, if I was Lonzo, I'd obviously be a lot shorter right now. I'm six, I'm six even. Lonzo's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, so I don't know if I could talk to my dad the same way he would be able to. Um, but I would say, hey, Daddy, Daddy Ball, 
Sh shut up. <laughs> sh sh just let me play my game. Now, he's a pretty confident kid. He seems like he can, he can weather any sort of storm. Uh, me, I'm fragile, very fragile. So, so if I would have people in the stands, and you go on the road at, at USC or on the road at Cal, or maybe you're in Kentucky, and you start getting those, those daddy boy chants, as we love to do in college, right? I'm sure Bryce has got them, his teammate. And, man, that would, that would rattle me to my core. I wouldn't be able to handle that. So I need my dad to, to just stay in my corner, always be supportive. Tell me, tell me on the living room couch how, much, how great I am. But when we get out there in public and you're doing radio shows on ESPN Radio or, I don't know, some campus radio station, just, just Or, you nice. know, I know a guy, podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, when he comes on here, he has to def he's going to have to defend himself in a few weeks. I'm sure he's going to catch a whiff of this one. He'll be on here to debate you like Stephen A. But he's going to uh, he's gonna have to keep it down. Because not, not everybody, he's lucky he has a really strong-willed kid. He seems to be really confident. But not everybody can handle that stuff forever. If he's going to have to take this for a 15-year NBA career, it's going to be a long one. I mean, he says he's going to represent them as their agent. Now, I don't know what his agent skills are in terms of negotiating contracts. Um, I would want to be the team that negotiates with Lonzo Ball's father. <laughs> yeah, the hidden, the hidden words at the end where you can get out of the contract at, you know, after two days or something like that. Just sneak it in there in line 57. No, no idea. Do you really think LeVar is reading that entire contract start to finish when he signs when they when they throw down a number with six zeros yeah and a number in front of those six zeros do you think he's going to read them it's thing? one of those things like you watch those movies where someone has like a million dollar idea right and someone's like i'm gonna make you an offer right and they write it on the napkin they fold it over and they slip it on the table that's exactly what would be going and they write that number on that you know whatever 13 million dollars a year and they just write like uh, four years you know they scribble they fold it and they just go you know, they just slip it to him, and then he like he takes plus it. an order of fried pickles. Yeah, he he, he he throws it over, just be like, that'll do, <laughs> and that's just it. That's the whole negotiation. He just signs the napkin, and then they're on their way. That's what I picture. Let's move on here from the Pac-12, and let's get to the next conference. Well, uh, since we said Pac-12, I did. They're not the best conference. They they may be the second best because of the teams they have at the top. Well, I'll go to the, the team that I think is the best conference. And that's because of just top to bottom, just the sheer amount of quality teams they have. That's the ACC. According to the Jordan Lenardis of the world, they have at least 10 teams in right now, possibly even 11th. The most of any, of any conference. Yeah. Uh, ACC putting in 10 is obviously a huge number. They have seven teams currently ranked in the AP Top 25. Uh, I broke down a few of the numbers. Only three teams in the entire conference do not have more two wins against the Top 25. I mean that's that's pretty impressive. They got a, it's a 15 team league, and 12 of them have beaten two top 25 teams. That says a lot about what kind of teams you have to play every single night. It's a grueling gauntlet. So if they want to get out of that conference alive, they really need to just stay somewhere above, maybe five or six games over 500 in conference play. Get through the tournament healthy, and mm -hmm. then roll through into the NCAA. And hopefully, you'd think that all that competition pays off. So are you calling the ACC the Golden State Warriors? Uh, basically. Now, the only part where they don't fit that is I'm not sure they have the team to beat. Some people say if UNC wins the ACC, they're the number one overall seed, which would make a lot of sense in a conference like that. If you win a conference, the best conference, usually you're the best team, right? Just simple math. That's kind of a shot in the dark. In, in March, no one's a team to beat. You just go out there and play. But in terms of top to bottom, that you got to think that the betting favorite that one of those teams would, or maybe even two of them, would make the Final Four, right? If you had to, if you had to pick a conference to have the most, it could be the ACC because you're going to have uh, ten out of ten out of sixty out of sixty-eight. So ten or eleven out of sixty-eight is pretty good odds, right? I think I think there are only ten to fifteen teams that can win this thing this mm -hmm. year, just because the major conferences are better. So going from the ACC, where we believe 
that is the best conference top to bottom. I'm going to give you the conference that I think is the dark horse in all of this that's kind of getting forgotten, and you mentioned Villanova. The Big East used to be the best conference. They're still right there. Villanova it might not be the number one team in the country. That might belong to Kansas right now, but they are the defending national champions. They are, and they've earned every bit of it. They have three losses on the season, two of those to Butler, who's in their own conference. If you take away the Butler losses, they've only one team. Only two teams technically have beat them all season, which is what nobody else can say other than Gonzaga. Um, and Butler's obviously, as we know from, if you if any, know anything about March Madness, Butler seems to always be there, and they seem to always be playing right at the right time, and they never seem to be outmatched. They're, they're the clear top two teams in there, and they're also two teams that would not shock you if they went all the way to Phoenix. Odds on favorite to win the national championship right now. We talked about those teams already, UNC and UCLA. Villanova, 10 to 1, while the odds on favorites are 6 to 1. And Butler at 66 to 1 as well is something else you might want to take a look at. Hey, that's a, that's a, if you're a betting man, that's a, that's a nice little play there, especially if you're maybe not to win it all, but to make the Final Four, depending on how their bracket shakes out. That's, that's not a bad bet. A team like that, never they rarely disappoint. They almost always overachieve. So it's good to bet on the overachiever, right? How about the Big 12? Big 12. Uh, we mentioned Kansas. I guess we could start We could start with Kansas there. They're, they have the best, outside of maybe a team in the ACC, Kansas probably has the best resume. I think they, against top five teams, what were, what were they like? 5-0 and oh this year? I think they beat Baylor when they were in the top five. I know they've beaten West Virginia, right? They, they beat a couple teams. They beat Kentucky. I would probably, Big 12's probably maybe the three the third best conference behind some of the other ones overall, I'd say, because you have a good team like West Virginia, you have a good team like Baylor, but Kansas, are they six to one. They're, they're the betting favorite. And that makes sense. No, they're they're eight with they're, they're right behind UCLA and UNC. Oh, okay. They're at eight to one. I would put them ahead, betting favorite above UCLA personally. I know I love UCLA, but I mean Frank Mason. If if Lonzo's not the best player, if Marco Fultz not the best player, or if uh, Hart's not the best player in Villanova, I mean it's got to be Frank Mason, right? That that he's a senior. He's been carrying the team for four years now. He he plays excellent in conference. He makes big shots. He plays very well down the stretch. He I don't see why uh, why you wouldn't put them at least tied with UNC to win it all. Now, now, we didn't do the comparison for the Big East, so I'll throw out the San Antonio Spurs as the option. That dark horse, look out, Villanova, Butler, other teams like that. You're not expecting them, but yet they're still performing at the top of their game, sort of like the Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> if you will, of the NCAA. If I'm going Big 12 and I'm looking at a team, I, I'm thinking the Boston Celtics hmm. because they're, they're a team that has that one guy in this case, Isaiah Thomas, who's my favorite player in the NBA at this point, by the way. My God, if you're under six feet and you're doing what he's doing, yeah. you're instantly my favorite player in the NBA. But the fact that they have that guy who does most of his work in the fourth quarter, of course, Kansas closing games, winning games, being the best team in the country, and then some of those supporting players in those supporting roles, Al Horford, I don't think Kelly Olynyk. I don't think Jay Crowder or Kelly Olynyk get necessarily enough credit for what they do. So those other teams that are in there, like West Virginia, and they're scrappy too, right? Mm-hmm. The Big Twelve is just a scrappy league. Yeah. Boston is a scrappy team. Yep. You mentioned Kelly Olynyk. Now we've done the major conferences. We haven't gone to the mid majors yet. Big Ten or the mid major field. We're talking about Gonzaga. The Missouri Valley, Wichita's a ranked team right now. But not ISU. We're not going to count them. 
<laughs> there's, there's a couple of Bradley guys just giving a little shove to the face of Normal, Illinois yes. and Bloomington. Do you take the Big Ten and the teams in it, like Maryland and Wisconsin and Purdue, or do you take Gonzaga and the rest of the mid-majors? Well, with a team like Gonzaga, it's kind of like the Butler mentality where they're a team over player kind of situation where the coach runs all. Mark Few has an excellent program there, really gets the guys to play hard. Uh, yes, they don't play anybody, even though they did beat Arizona earlier in the year. However, that was about Trier, so take that with a grain of salt. They're clearly, I think if they played in the Big Ten, they would definitely be up there with Purdue, Maryland, Wisconsin in terms of record-wise. I have no doubt about that, even though they're not on the same level in terms of talent they recruit. That being said... How March works, I'll take the teams that have experience. I'll take the teams that are underrated usually. You say, oh, that conference should have, you know, they were awful. What did they do? They end up going like 6-1 and one in the first weekend, right? How it always works. A team like Wisconsin's got a ton of experience. Purdue, Caleb Swanigan could be the player of the year. I think people have him as the favorite right now. He's averaging like like 20-14 and 14 or some ridiculous number like that. He's going to be an NBA player. Maryland, you have an excellent lead guard, Melo Trimble. Uh, we all know point guards win in March, right? If you don't have a point guard, you might as well not even show up. Melo Trimble can control the game. He's got the clutch gene. Yeah. That dude has the clutch gene more so than most guys, but I still don't think it's enough because they've been playing in a league that's probably just as bad as what Gonzaga's playing in. And I don't mean that in a way to diss San Diego, but my <laughs> goodness, man. Hey, you get dissed the Wildcats, Rutgers right? Rutgers is, is just atrocious and yeah we haven't mentioned Northwestern yet because this is the perfect year for them to get to the tournament they found a way they they got they got a down year in the Big Ten and took advantage of it so obviously happy for them but it's just not a good conference all right time to talk NFL draft combine when we come back but first a word from our sponsors this podcast is brought to you by all 30 of Philip Rivers kids now accepting discover this podcast is brought to you by boner pills they get you up in the morning before you do. All right, welcome back to I Know a Guy. Spencer Siegel with my guest on the inaugural show, the pilot episode, if you will, Andrew Carver, joining me here today. And we talked about college basketball. Now we move forward to your other strength, which is, of course, the NFL Combine, which is a very useful tool in today's society, especially yeah, this week. Absolutely. Use it every day at work. Before we get into the game we're about to play, any overall thoughts on the combine that you had after it after it happened? Um, yeah, I mean the the quarterbacks didn't separate themselves, which everybody cares about. Um, especially you being a Bears fan, you care a lot a lot about uh, about the quarterback situation. In this I've draft. been on Trubisky since pretty much day one. Yeah, I mean he he did he did okay. He didn't exactly wow anybody. I mean obviously it's just the combine. You got time at your pro days always. So everything that happens today, you always take with a grain of salt. Um, there's been obviously some, some very large players who can move really well for their position. Tight end in particular is ridiculously stacked this year with, with just size and speed combinations. I mean, you have guys like OJ Howard, who's, who's six, four, six, five, he's 260 pounds and he's running a four, five, 40. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Speaking of the 40 yard dash, John Ross broke the record. He ran a four, two, two. 4.22 4.22 seconds. 4-2-2. He ran for 40 yards in 4.22 seconds. Now, the rule was that you had to be wearing Adidas shoes to get the free island. Adidas was touting a free island, a, a private island that you could own <laughs> if you broke the record. But John Ross 
opted to do the 40-yard dash in Nikes and then signed a contract with Nike. They could disclose how much he signed for. Because what if it was like, like, because they probably was like an island or a million dollars, and they couldn't get you an island. What if he signed that contract for like one point one million? Then he made out ahead, right? Or would you rather have the island? Well, he said that he can't really swim that well and doesn't know. <laughs> <a boat. laughs> That's right. That's right. So, John Ross, though, Long Beach guy. Yes, he is. Jordan High School down the street from me, man. So that got us thinking that he didn't win the island, but what other prizes should folks shoot for athletes shoot for and what companies would give away those prizes oh, yeah. if they completed these athletic achievements and we start of course with bench reps because i think aside from the 40 yard dash maybe reps you're the combine guy that might be the second most important one well uh wouldn't call it an important one but probably the most recognizable one when you look at somebody's you know combine or pro day statistics when you're looking as an, as an average fan they're going to understand running fast and lifting a lot of weight right you know, three cone shuttle doesn't mean anything to the average dude it still means nothing to me um, i still don't understand why three cone drill is more important than the 40 yard dash probably but i'm not going to get into all that but you just understand tan- you can put tangible numbers to stuff that you've probably done yourself everybody's ran in sprints and everybody's lifted weights so it's really something that the every man can understand all right so if somebody breaks the bench reps record which the record currently officially is held by Stephen Paella, mm-hmm. who lifted 49. How, ma- 49. 49. how many and how many pounds is that? It's 225. 225. So if you don't understand what that is, that is the bar plus 245s on either side. So four plates in the bar. That's 225. And he did that 49 times. So 49 if somebody times. does it 50 times, what do they win? What do they win? Let's see. Um, how about we go towards GNC, right? Okay, because. Bench reps, strong muscles. Yeah, that makes sense. All the all the big, big guys go to GNC. We wouldn't know, by the way, if you haven't seen us. We're nowhere near bench presses usually most of our lives. I don't know about you, but I can do two twenty five. <laughs> yeah, I could do it uh, negative four times. All right, so so fifty reps of two twenty five gets you something from GNC. Yes. What would it get you? How about uh, I'm thinking maybe like a lifetime supply of all of the supplements that GNC offers that's banned by the NFL? Yes. There we go. I like that. You get all the HGH that, that you could possibly want. If your hats didn't fit before, they're not going to fit now. Well, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're benching that many times already, you may as well just keep going. Just go all the way. stop there? Just, just the career arc. You, all these people on the list of highest bench reps are not even, like, in the NFL anymore. So just give that up now. You, you lift too much weight to be in the NFL. So just go ahead and be a professional bodybuilder. All right. What about the Wonderlick test? The Wonderlick test. If you don't know what the Wonderlick is, it's just the uh, IQ test of the NFL. It's not just used by the NFL, but basically that's what it is. It gives you a standardized measurement of intellectual a ability. A perfect score on the Wonderlick is 50, and it's, it's how many questions in 12 minutes? It is 50 questions in 12 minutes. 50 multiple choice questions multiple choice. in 12 minutes. The highest score is a 50. I would assume that's getting all 50 questions right. And and what was the other part that if you if you get a, a ten or less that means you're illiterate? Yes, basically ten is the literacy standard. So they say if you get a ten, you are considered a literate human being. Okay, so the highest score somebody did get a fifty, right? A punter in the seventies. Yes, Ryan they Fitzpatrick did. got a forty-eight. Yeah, that's that's like the the smartest guy currently. You got a forty-eight. Fitzpatrick went to Harvard, so you expect him to get a forty-eight, right? How many how many guys do you know got below a ten? Um, the lowest ever recorded, by the way, Maurice Claiborne, who is a free agent right now. <laughs> the NFL teams, listen up. Got a four on the Wonderlick test. 
Morris Claiborne got a four out of 50. That's 50 multiple choice questions he got four right. Which means if you would have probably put A for every single one of them, you would have got a better score than four. In theory, if you put A for every single one of them, you're at least getting a 12 and a half, right? Most likely, yeah. Yeah, you would think so, at least. You can fake literacy by just filling in the same bubble for every single question. And he did worse than that. He actually did three times worse than that. (laughs) All right, so what do you get if you get a 50? You get a 50. All right, here's, here's an idea. All right, so we want to promote education, right? Obviously, it's for smart people. So Education's go, good. Yeah. So you go back to your hometown. So let's say Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is from, I don't know where he's from. Let's say he's from right here in Lyle, Illinois. Local Lyle Elementary School will be renamed to Fitzpatrick Elementary. <laughs> you get, I like it. And you, he gets to come. He gets to speak to the kids. And, and he, it's, just, it's a wonderful thing, right? You got an elementary school named after this, this apparent, apparent genius. And encourage them to shoot for the stars and become the next quarterback of a shitty oh. New York Jets team. Yes. Is he, he got me It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who he plays oh, for anymore. He's played for like five teams now. Uh, okay, we got Wonderland. Fitzpatrick, if you're listening, we, we love you. We love your beard. Keep doing you. And great appearance on the league, by the way. <laughs> All right, the vertical jump record is 47 inches. This was my thinking. If you can break the record for the highest vertical standing jump, um, that means you deserve to dunk in the NBA in some <laughs> form or another. And, yeah. hell, they took a D-League guy and brought him in for the slam dunk contest. Yeah. So if you break the record of the combine, then you get to enter yeah. into the next year's slam dunk contest in the NBA. Absolutely. I think that that is some spice. LeBron won't do it. So let's yeah, get some stars. Bitch, so. Let's get some stars. Hey, 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 hey. Slow down there. There's no... I mean, Blake Griffin doesn't do it anymore. Dwight Howard isn't doing it anymore. We have no Tiny Nate Robinson doing it every single year anymore. So you got to have some sort of flair in there. So let's say a top prospect does it. Let's say a first-round pick. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, right? If people would tune in, I think. Charles Barkley would would, would, would watch. <laughs> can we get Charles Barkley to do a 40 time, by the way? <laughs> you can race Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen always runs it. Let's have Charles Barkley race him. Next oh, one. Oh, God. Question. Yeah. What's worse, his 40 time or his golf swing? What would be considered worse? Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that's, 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 I definitely would tune in to watch that. So then let's, let's go, let's try different sports. How about uh, if you break the assist record in the NBA in a game? What is the assist record? Scott Skiles. 30 assists 30, oh my God. in a game. That's like Wilt Chamberlain averaging 50. Like, no one's going to be 30 assists. Like, that's ridiculous. You'd have to you'd have to Rajon Rondo it around there. Like, just not do anything but try to just steal assists. Right? Have a wide-open layup and yeah. kick it out for, for a like contested he, three. Like he used to do on the Celtics. I remember that after after the big three left, he was just getting all those triple doubles. He would literally just roll around and just, just pass it to everybody trying to get an open shot. So what do you get if you... Record 31 assists right. in a game. So what do you think of when you think of assists, right? You think of State Farm, right? They had the assist team a while ago with, like, Stockton, and, and I think Lillard was on there. Chris, Chris Paul. Paul obviously is the leader of the of the team. So how about, how about we get to trash this current State Farm ad campaign, and you get to star— Which is garbage, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it's such a disappointment. They've been, doing, they've been doing so well, too. They Somebody were like, better call the fire department. Yeah, well, we're not going to get into the Packers on this show. We don't need to do that. But let's, let's, let's see, scrap this one. You get to star and write the next series of State Farm commercials, your next ad campaign. You get it all to yourself. 
You get to you get to have whoever you want. So you want Charles Barkley to join you? You can. You can get Charles Barkley on there with you. He doesn't have a choice. This is mandatory. And you're the new record holder for most assists in a game, so State Farm would love to have you in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. I mean, 31 assists in a game. Who wouldn't want to market that guy? It's going to be tough to beat Meet He's going to be white, though. <laughs> He's going to be a white guy. It's yeah. going to be hard to beat Meet the Hoopers, though. I'm just telling yeah, you. that's true. It's just it's the all-star family. Yeah, Dollar Dame. You had uh, Kevin Love was like the, the... The old man Kevin Garnett. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Love was like, what, 12 years old or something like that. Yeah, those were that was some good stuff. Talking about the Hawks and the Hornets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. 21 strikeouts would be the record for most Ks in a game. Done a few times, in right? Baseball. 20 has been done four times. Yeah. yeah. Kerry Wood is the most notable one, obviously. Clemens did it twice, and then Scherzer had 20 last year. So we're close. This is this one's definitely maybe the most attainable of all of the, the ones here because we've been really – strikeouts are like up and up every single year. And the most attainable, too, within all of these was probably that 40 record that was broken and no mm-hmm. free island was given away. So let's mm-hmm. think of something as, as extravagant as possible Absolutely. that doesn't have anything to do with 21 strikeouts. Okay, let's stay on that. Okay, we're going to give something away. Obviously, we want to get something. It's going to have to be something that's going to be worth something. All right? Because an island is probably worth a lot. It, it is worth a lot, unless you're like John Ross, you don't know how to swim. Uh, not going to be much use to you then, right? How about you get your own country? Just, just go out. Not an island country. It can be any country you want. Just a current country. But it's got to be small. Obviously, we're not going to take over, like, uh, China or something like that. How about uh, Luxembourg, right? That's a good example. Oh, yeah. The, the, little, <laughs> the little landlocked inland. Yeah, it's, like, next to Switzerland, right? It's something Belgium, like that. Belgium, Germany. Belgium, it's all like the same that. to me. How about you get to choose between, like, Bosnia and Herzegovina, or <laughs> Serbia and Montenegro, or whatever, whatever yes. they are. All right, Andrew Carver, that's going to do it. And I, before you, we get you out of here, uh, I do have my final question that I like to wrap up. And since this is the first podcast, it's a work in progress, so we'll see what happens. But the one that I'm going to ask is spanning all sports, you need to pick the one person, whether still active or a retired player, that you cannot stand boils your blood more than anybody else um well there's definitely a few um but i'll probably i'll have to go this is a little bit of a throwback and it makes sense based on my favorite teams absolutely least favorite nba player of all time is manu ginobili cannot stand he has a rat face he's just too scrappy for me the lakers obviously matched up against the spurs all the time he's just always giving like 110 percent and it just pissed me off so much do you have left-handed bias yeah is, uh, is that a problem um well yeah because he looks ugly out there with his euro steps and everything like that i mean it's, it's not a pretty Some random basketball smooth. he no no they would not spence he, he like awkwardly goes into the lane looking for fouls and he throws up shot i mean it's just it's insulting to the game of basketball it really is that, that I see now I'm all pissed off, Spence. You just ended up now I'm all angry thinking about Monty Ginobili's face, his little his rat face. All right, well, Andrew Carver, that's going to wrap things up for the first episode of I Know a Guy. And Andrew, it was great to get to know you, and thanks for hosting here in your beautiful apartment. Hey, yeah, maybe next time it won't be apartment. Maybe we'll be broadcasting from uh, like Luxembourg or something after I set a few records. <laughs> well, you're going to have to get a lot more strikeouts in order for that to happen. I hey, hope. something I'm good at is striking out. Oh. and that's what we send you home with folks (laughs) until next week we'll definitely have Andrew back in the future for sure he'll be back for the NFL draft and hopefully before that as well so until next time folks adios have yourself a good week